0: Log Talk Radio. This is all about wine, all about the wine. talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron.
1: Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do in this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine
0: less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You
1: know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love
0: that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwine.ptr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwine.ptr. And now, all about wine is on. Okay. Here's
1: why. Thank you, bus people. Bus people are See I, I don't think people understand. We have we have two buses. It's a bus that comes here and, and you know and drinks wine and listens to the show live, and then we got the one around you that uh, a bus around you and so when they all cheer and everything it's it's all of them, but the people that are cheering around you right now are under shelter because you're having yeah. a rainstorm and so're
2: staying on the bus um, and yeah,
1: they're all staying on the bus and so and speaking of rainstorm, if you are listening on Facebook or Twitter or um, uh, YouTube, YouTube all yeah. live and all of a sudden you get cut off it because Mike is in a rainstorm, and there's always that possibility the lightning could knock out something because it does. We live in Florida, and it happens all the time.
2: So yep. it happens uh, usually around this time, uh, evening yes. time. For some reason, it finally yeah. makes it inland, and there's some. Um, all right, I'm looking just to the north of here in Lake Alfred, uh, near uh, just south of I-4, and on I-4 around Polk City. There's some uh, orange and red indications on oh, radar boy. which are pretty heavy and uh we've got frequent lightning and it's like it's it's building right on top or just north of us and then just expanding from there it's not ex- doesn't look like it's actually moving um mm.
1: well i it, saw a weather report and it said that it's supposed to earlier today is that these are slow moving storms that are hitting yeah. us now because there's no yeah, driving uh, wind i know mean,
2: so yeah uh, tampa, tampa temple terrace brandon all that looks pretty rough, uh, as well as a small shower around Bradenton. So, yeah, it's just yeah, well, that's
1: all all south of me. Uh, it's yep. nice here. Yeah. It's, it's
2: meanwhile fun. you're in sunny skies,
1: sunny skies, <laughs> sun. Well, let's <laughs> not get carried away. It's a <laughs> yeah. the
2: <temps> there.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Juan is yeah, in his calm. own little climate uh, climate area.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. This little dome yeah. over this. Yeah. Uh,
2: like the they, <laughs>
1: if <laughs> if they need a dome, they need one over Phoenix. Oh my gosh, they hit 119 today.
2: Oh my gosh. Ooh, that and that's it. not the that's not what the the wind chill or whatever they call it. The heat. Uh, no, it's not the heat.
1: Not the heat index. Heat, factor,
2: no. it's heat index. Yeah. There you go. I was going to get to it eventually, um, but uh, so that's just that's just a base temperature, 119. It's oh my
1: 119 gosh, 119 degrees. But see, they don't. They, and you say it's a dry heat. Yeah, it is a dry heat. But they 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 cook pies in dry heat. So you know, I mean, but it's still 119. But it what it does is because there's no humidity in there, then when you sweat, it just dissipates. Mm-hmm right away and it just it's weird and because there's no moisture your lips crack and and it's just it's yeah i don't know it's 119 degrees no matter how you look at it
2: yeah, yeah for sure so new
1: new record for them today i understand 119 degrees so new record for this date uh well they I think the way Phoenix worded it is that this is the current new record. Hmm. Not that it's not going to be broken over the next couple of days. So, I don't know. Scary. Yeah, But 100, 119 degrees. Jeez, I just... Yeah, I wonder what Death Valley got up to. If the Phoenix is 119, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. well, yeah. Uh, that could affect grapevines too. I mean, that heat is—you know they they got to keep the water and moisture on them and all that. That could affect the grapes. Uh, I wonder. Hmm, uh, this is July, the end of July, so we're getting progress quite far into the season because harvest will start sometime in August. I'm going to have to start checking on that, This how this heat is mm-hmm. going to affect these grapes and uh, all that. I'll have to call some wineries and check. Um, mm-hmm. What, let's see, I've got something, what is that, that's my phone, or my pad, making some weird noises here, uh, hmm, oh, well, uh, yeah, I hope that keeps it quiet, uh, let's see, where are we, um, weather, I'm, uh, here we go. That's one of the things I just want to talk about was weather and uh it's uh, Greg Jones. Greg Jones was on our program. Uh well he was on a couple of times. One time he was an actual guest on the program, another time he came on and we just talked about a couple of questions and stuff. Uh, I, I enjoyed talking to him tremendously. He was very knowledgeable. He, Greg Jones, is actually studying the weather around the world and how it affects grapevines. And that is his his thing. And he's worked with different, uh, uh, different universities and stuff like that and has put together quite a few stuff. But he... Has came out with a weather and climate summary and forecast, and this was uh, uh, by Gregory V. Jones, PhD, uh, actually made on July 3rd of this year. It's the July 2023 report. Uh, I'll uh, it, sadly, you can't see the little maps. He's got little maps showing. In this report showing... I might be able to put this on Facebook. I don't know if I can transfer it to Facebook. I should be able to. Um, But he's showing the uh, drought outlook for the country. Uh, Looks very bad in the Midwest. uh, Or the near West. Or whatever you want to call it. Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri. uh, A little bit over in Ohio. Or not Ohio. uh, Indiana and Illinois. But uh, the... Sea temperature uh is warm as we all know it's very warm out there, but the uh, dust coming off of Africa is killing hurricanes right now, so we've got that to actually be thankful for uh, we live in this area here. Monthly temperature outlook uh he is saying that the Eastern part of the country from Arizona, southern states all the way through up into uh, Maine, and then Oregon and Washington, all are above normal, with uh, uh, Texas being even, even above that. Uh, the monthly precipitation outlook showing... The areas where I just mentioned the droughts supposed to be getting above-average rainfall. So that could alleviate that. And also Arizona, it looks like it might be below normal in the in precipitation. And then the seasonal temperature outlooks above normal pretty much across the country. Uh, is what he's saying. Whereas rain, uh, just a little bit through the mid part of the country, Above everything else, he predicts to be below normal. But let me uh, let me tell you the highlights, and this actually is the best way to sum up his, uh this report here. Uh, point: warm June northwards, and much cooler than average south and across the Great Basin and Rockies. Point: some precip. Uh, Precipitation along the south central coast of California along with mountains and east side thunderstorms in June uh, will bring wetter than average conditions in July and August. Point, drought conditions continued at some of the lowest levels in many years, especially in California and the southwest. Point, of warm start to July. Will give way to more seasonable temperatures before warming up again mid-month. So it's already hit us on that. And point the forecast for July is pointing to the Pacific Northwest likely to see above-average temperatures for July and August. And last here, point El Nino is now with us and projected to continue through the end of the year, while the uh, PDO, Pacific something, I don't know. Uh, PDO remains in a strong negative phase. Uh, Right now, the PDO is helping to tamp down temperatures in California and the basin, while El Nino is expected to push global temperatures to a top warmest year on record. So the El Nino is really doing a number across the world right now with uh, the warmth. The map he shows here that, uh, uh, well, the Atlantic, Pacific, uh, Indian Ocean, down around New Zealand, even inland seas, the Mediterranean and uh, stuff like that, he's showing that uh, it's as much as 3.6 Celsius degrees. Celsius 3.6 Celsius above normal so that's uh, that's what he's predicting and again he's very good at his at what he does he's uh, he's dwelled into this a lot so that's what we've got to look forward to the El Nino is going to be our biggest factor over the next uh, few months here I believe so that, we were talking about weather, and we—that's one of the things I wanted to talk about in the weather. Uh, let's see, three-tier system. We talked about this a lot of times. I don't like the three-tier system, but you know, it is what it is. But the three-tier system—the uh, president of uh wine and Spiritual sellers of america always oh, executive vice president michael bill uh, billilo bill bill uh and uh, talked about the three tier system and he says it's strong and it's working and it's uh, the bottom line is that we have alcohol coming uh into states and stuff that are unlicensed and it's uh, throughout the country and uh, it needs to be controlled more because states are losing money on taxes and are not following the proper rules for it to be delivered the results of the 2022 compliance checks of licensed direct-to-consumer shippers served to support the basic arguments against a direct-to-consumer as outlined by Morris. He said, point, 96% of direct-to-consumer licensees investigated, accepted direct-to-consumer orders and payment from a 15-year-old. Now, (laughs) they do that. They set up people. The alcohol business it irritates the snot out of me when they do that. Uh, they probably had a 15-year-old that they said, Here, here's a credit card. Get a hold of this. See if you can get it shipped. And you know, a lot of them do. I, we take the trust of the UPS drivers or whatever to check on this. But it continues. It says despite 98% of the shipments being delivered are labeled alcohol, 26% of the shipments were left at the door, no signature, or anything just left. 43% of the shipments did not obtain an adult signature, which you have a big sticker from all these shipping, UPS, FedEx, all these a big sticker that slaps right onto the box and it says adult signature required alcohol. So it's up to the drivers. And it says zero verify the age of the recipient upon delivery, like checking an ID. So this is the argument against retail shipping and direct to consumer shipping. They say kids are going to get the stuff. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I, you yeah, know, if you set it up, kids are not going to order wine or beer or anything that's going to have to be shipped to them and wait for X number of days to get this shipment in so they can drink with their buddies. You know, you go out at night and you want to run around, you want to drink, you're not going to say, oh, I'll tell you what why don't we order wine and get it in and then we can drink next week when it comes in with us. (sighs) Beers, seltzers, all that stuff. I really have a hard time with this argument that kids are going to have the shipments to them. I, I just, it, Irritates me that this is the continuous argument, and it also irritates me that they do this with, you know, and I'm sure if you go into it how they did this with this 15-year-old, it was a, uh, you know, him going online and supporting him just to see what type of respond it would be. So that being said, uh, these are the things that they're talking about on uh, uh direct to consumer. And is they they're saying that in uh twenty twenty two compliance checks uh estimate that of the sixty six million dollars of self reported direct to consumer wine shipments coming into the the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, I believe it was here. No. Yeah. Well Commonwealth of Vermont, sixty six uh million dollars roughly 40% are coming from just 2% of the direct to consumer licensees. This is the truth is uh, that most of them aren't licensed to be shipping around the country. That's why the t- three-tier system is important to protect the states. Okay, I might go along with that. They have an amendment Uh, They have an amended bill which would prohibit Iowa consumers from purchasing spirits and having those products directly shipped from a distillery in or out of state, which produces more than 100,000 gallons annually. Our association supports legislation that ensures consumers can access products from all distilleries equally. So they're going to stop that to make it, if if it's more than 100,000 gallons annually, you can get from it. They're going to make it so everybody can get from which I think is only fair. This is one of the things about direct shipping. So, it finishes here. It says, the value of America's wine and spiritual sellers and the critical role distributors play in the three-tier system is the reason the U.S. marketplace is the safest, the most dynamic, competitive, and successful in the world, says the Belialio the vice president the three-tier system is, are the legs of the u.s alcohol marketplace and without them it would not stand to serve consumers place responsibility at the forefront or set the global standard okay oh, you can tell that heat tier system All right. yeah, i mean I, I don't think they serve small wineries breweries distilleries equally and that's my problem with the three-tier system. Uh, and, and I've said this before. If you listen to the show, you know how how I feel about three-tier system. But it's not going to stop. We're going to continue to have it. And I guarantee you we're going to continue to have it for a long time because they are too strong and nobody's going to get them out of existence. Okay. Invasive species with an appetite for grapevines could wreak havoc on Canadian wineries. I bet you can't guess what that is. Right, glassy wing. Oh, no, not glass wing. Oh, geez, I said that wrong. The uh, spotted lanternfly. And this article is talking about grape growers on Ontario uh, are getting a little concerned. They said that two dead liner flies have been found in Quebec. If that's the case, they are across the border. Uh, the word is stomp on them. If you see them, kill them. Don't mess with them. Just kill them. Now, when they're adults, I put a picture up on the Facebook page. I I guess everybody saw it. It's okay. That's the adult. That's not actual size, the picture, obviously, but that's the adult. The nymph of spotted, let's see, they've got spotted wings when they're folded up and they're set in the brass. They're little spotted wings. Uh, You can notice them if you're looking for them. The immature nymphs start out black with bright white spots. Then these spots turn dark red with white spots around it and black lines. Okay. The winged adults sit with their wings like a tent over their back. And these wings are pale gray with pinky hues and have many black spots. So when these wings Open for flight, they reveal the underwings, which are red with black spots at the base, followed by a band of white and a band of black. See them, kill them. I mean, that's really the bottom line. There, you don't need any. You don't need to do anything else. You see them, you kill them. If you are in Canada and you see them and kill them, they want you to. Put it in a bag, a sealed bag, and put it in the freezer so they can you can sort to them where you found it and all that other stuff. They are still very cautious and they're still trying to figure out what's going on. And because the Niagara area is one of the largest producers of grapes and wines in Canada, they are very concerned about the spotted lanternfly and being introduced in that part of the country. It's something that they are more afraid of, and just about any type of bug they've had in a long time, they say in there. Uh, it says, they we've got enough chemicals coming out to our vineyards. If it's going to be negative, like the ladybug, then that's going to affect the quality of the wine, and that is the problem. You know, you have to spray for it in the nymph stage, you have to spray for it in the adult stage, and also the eggs you can't kill, and it's just... I've talked about the spotted lanternfly many times, and it's a serious, serious threat. Possibly even in Quebec, Canada now. All right. Let's uh, see. Yeah, I just, I'm just reading a little bit more of what the man said there about him. Okay. This is that is done. And let's go to this. Oh, this is interesting. I am sure you all have seen on bottles of wine Old Vine Zimvindol. This is probably the most common Old Vine that you'll see is Old Vine Zimvindol. But there, there's others out there. There's the calves and Chardonnays and just all sorts of other grapes that are classified as Old Vine. Well, there is a Old Vine Registry that is being put together. Uh, the United Kingdom is doing it. It is crowdsourced, global encompassing. And they're looking to make a registry of all Old Vines. Uh, a list of all the Old Vines and keep it up to date and all that. Uh, it will officially launched worldwide. Uh, end of last month. And it's it's a pretty big deal, actually. As the old Vines state on its homepage, it's the world's first crowdsourced global database of living historic vineyard sites. Pretty big mouthful there. And its goal is to, quote, create the world's most authoritative record of these vineyards in the hopes that through greater awareness and intention, these vineyards and the wines they produce will survive and thrive. So, uh, it's a uh, pretty big endeavor, actually. Uh,
0: they're,
1: they're all over the world. Old vines. The old vine registry is defined as vineyards at least 35 years or old, mm, excuse me, 35 years or older. And they use 35 years because that's when vineyards are typically torn out and replanted. So if they survive 35 years, they usually take them out. And the reason they do take them out is because after 35 years of production, they don't produce as well as new vines do. Makes sense. You're in the business to make wine and get the grapes. And if they're not producing, something young in there. and uh, They do that. But there are the old vines that survive around, and they don't produce as much, but they do produce very good wine. I am a fan of old vine Zimondel. I've had it. In fact, I've got quite a few in my rack right now of old vine Zimondel, and it's just a little bit more complex and... Uh, a smoother taste and uh, just makes for a better wine I think overall and I've got to let's see not only Zimino but let's see what else I have uh, some Old Vine Cab uh, Old Vine Chardonnay and Merlot I think maybe I still do but uh, the the uh, the purpose of the, the Old Vine Registry and uh, Alder Yarrow, he's the author of the internationally followed vinography and uh, a JanusRobinson.com contributor was tasked with organizing the Old Vine Registry site. Uh, he said, we have about 2,200 records of Old Vine vineyards there, are, there should be another ten thousand from around the world added at the time we're done. In the inaugural listing, there are three hundred and forty-one old vine California grows listed. So uh, there's quite a few out there, and uh, a lot of and uh, they are, like I say, all around the world, and they are, uh, to me, a very, a very good uh, base for. Old, an excellent wine i mean i think it's fantastic the old vine registry page uh, coaches its own goals in sustainable and biological languages it says saving old vines is not a romantic endeavor it's addressing a planetary crisis old vines carry the secrets of survival and have adapted to stress over decades and even centuries they are often more resilient in times of drought and heat waves. They have learned to live with the development immunity to pests and diseases, and they have survived extreme weather events. So, uh, and it goes on. uh them them all if I'm not going to read this all to you. So, Old Vine Registry, It uh, when they get it up and running, and let me see if there's a website. That I can tell you about right now that you can check it out yourself old vine registry
2: uh, hmm. i
1: don't see uh oh i don't i don't see anything i'm I'm sure old vine registry maybe it's old vine registry dot com that could be but uh Check it out and, uh, and keep up with it. Vine Registry. I uh, I don't know. Why don't they give a website address here? They're launching the they want people to do it. Why don't they? I don't know. But uh, I try old Vine Registry and you should be able to see where they are growing and all the stuff about it on that Okay,
2: let me get out of this, and let's
1: go to the next one here. We already oh. made. It. What's it? You find it? Oh, cool.
2: yeah. I was I was keyed in there. The power flicked off uh, uh, about I don't know ten minutes ago, and uh, uh-huh. I guess my phone uh, flipped off as well. So because it's USB powered, but uh, it's oldvineregistry.org.
0: Dot org. Vine,
2: yeah, dot org. It's the, it says big letters, the old vine registry. Welcome to the world's first crowdsourced global database of living historic vineyard sites. And there's a way to search. There's uh, view vineyards by age. And they, wow, more than 125 years. That's pretty impressive. Uh, yes. But, yeah. Vine registry dot org. Try that. Oh,
1: huh. all right, very good. I'll make myself a note of that right now, too, because I will. org. Okay, very good. Um, all right. Speaking of spotted land and fly, the USDA releases a five-year strategy to combat the spotted land and fly. Five years! Oh my gosh, the damage that could be done. Uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced the Spotted Lanternfly Strategic Planning Working Group, and they have released the Spotted Lanternfly Five-Year Strategy for fiscal years 2024 to 2028. And uh, the working group developed a unified approach to reduce the spotted lanternfly spread and impacts to the effective use of available state and federal resources. Uh, The Spotted lanternfly is an invasive pest that feeds on crops and natural resources. Over the next five years, federal and state partners will work to limit the spotted lanternfly's advancement as we further scientific research that will help us develop better pest management tools and options. The five-year strategy prioritizes the following goals. Point, effectively limit the advancement of spotted lanternfly and effectively respond to its introduction within federal and state authority and resource availability. Point, support continued scientific research toward practical management and risk mitigation. And point, establish a consistent national and state-level outreach message educational campaign for the public and industries at risk for spreading the spotted lanternfly. Yeah, in other words, monitor it. Uh, spotted lanternfly has spread to 13 states since it was first detected in Pennsylvania in 2014. I think it was right around then that I first started talking about the spotted lanternfly. Uh, they prefer to feed on the invasive tree of heaven That is their favorite. But they also feed on a wide range of crops, including grapes, apples, hops, walnuts, and hardwood trees. And resources are limited. Developing a strategy and coordination with states to address this invasive species is critical. Uh, So uh, the uh, uh, five-year plan to... Eliminate. Yes, eliminate or control. And, uh, Spotlight and Fly Strategic Planning Work Group also included NASDA, NASA and NPB states, representatives from California, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, New York, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Washington, and Virginia, which they have been spotted in all those places. So they had people. So if you see one Step on it. that's really really the word out there. If you see a spotted lanternfly, fly, step on it. It's no good. it's not gonna' it's not good for anything, and you just need to kill it uh, The adult at rest has sort of brownish gray wings with black spots all over it, and they hold their wings like a tent over their back uh, the uh the immature nymph uh, has black; they black with white spots, and this uh, coloration continues through the third instar. Where's that? I'm not a, a bug person. Instar, again. and then the adult, when its wings are spread, has red white wings with black dots on it and uh, uh well you can look on the facebook page i put a picture of it up there and the egg mass like egg mass is just like a white uh not really cotton but just like a white uh cotton i just the best description I'm trying to think of something else that would apply, but it doesn't. So just like a white cotton-looking egg mass, bad bug. Help every way you can. If you see them, step on them. If you see one report it too, to the, your local uh, extension center or whoever handles that stuff in your state, in your area, uh, report that you've seen one there. They would probably appreciate knowing where they are and how far they've gotten and all that. But if you live in Pennsylvania or the states that are particularly Pennsylvania, they've overran Pennsylvania. If you live in Pennsylvania, then uh, step on them. Simple and easy as that. Step on them. Okay. Uh, and this one is done. And let me go to this one. A new wine growing region, here we go. A new wine growing region in Lake County uh, around Clear Lake. Uh, Long Valley is the name of it. And it's set to become the latest AVA, American Viticulture, in Lake County, uh, early next month early in August uh, it's a 12 square mile Appalachian northeast of Clear Lake and the federal regulators also expanded the boundaries of the North Coast grape origin region as well as those of the high valley Appalachian uh, so they're uh, all over the place uh, AVAs are all over the place in Lake County uh, so it says uh well they got upper lake valley AVA they got clear lake AVA they got big valley district AVA um, uh red that's red hills in lake county i don't know what that high valley AVA uh long valley lake county AVA so there's a bunch of them in uh in, uh lake county which is If you don't know, Lake County is north of San Francisco, north of Napa, and uh, in the growing areas, the big growing areas for uh, uh, grapes and all that. So, that's where all it is: Santa Rosa, uh, north of Santa Rosa and Sonoma and Napa. Uh, Lake County, clearly. beautiful country, absolutely beautiful. If you go out there, you can make a trip there and go up and see the uh, uh, giant trees on up the road and stuff like that. So, okay, new AVA, another AVA in California. They can add to their list of the most AVAs in California, uh, which they really do have a lot. Right. I'm playing here for a second, trying to look up something. And no, uh, they don't do it. I was wondering, wondering if maybe they gave wineries here on this map, but they don't. That would have been, that would have been too much fun if they did. Okay. All right, Oh. Uh, Sorry, I'm looking at that map there. I used to live in that area and I recognize so many of those places on the map and it's just fun to look at them. Uh, Okay, let's get out of this. And we can eliminate this. And we can go to
2: this one. And, uh, okay, what is this? Uh, Oh,
1: this one is just a battle over wine shipping far from over in Ohio. It's just that the U.S. 6th Court of Appeals may have paved the way for Ohioans to buy and receive wine more easily. They're saying this could affect the whole country. With the Court of Appeals approving this, this could carry even further as far as precedent goes for the whole country. Uh, The case will go back to the district court to determine if Ohio's laws can be justified as a public health or safety measure. And that's what they're looking at. Uh, Opinions differ widely on this. Uh, This has been going back and forth for some time. And the reason I brought this up is the fact that eventually, This could affect shipping direct to consumer on a national level if this is upheld. Uh, It depends on how it's written. And if they agree with it, then other states, other areas and all that could then copy the same type of stuff more than likely, it will continue to be challenged all the way up to and when it gets to the Supreme Court because that's what happens on this stuff. Uh, they uh, challenge it and it just keeps on going. Uh, it says that the... Uh, well here. The, let's see, where is it? According to Chicago-based lawyer Sean O'Leary... Uh, should this matter return to the Sixth Circuit and should the court decide Ohio, Ohio's transportation limit is unconstitutional, it could create what is known as circuit split when courts make contradictory decisions on similar cases. And that that may increase the likelihood that the U.S. Supreme Court will decide to hear Block versus v. Canepaw. A decision against the transportation limit would differ from the 2006 Fourth District decision on a similar law in Virginia. And a Sixth Circuit Court ruling against the direct shipment receptions would break with the court's own decision on Lebanon. So it's, you got all sorts of stuff on this ruling here that is going. Against each other, different courts are ruling against it. And if it goes to the Supreme Court, it very possibly could set a precedent there. If it does, it could open up the cross-state lines, which I think it should be anyway, because that's against the only you know, uh, uh, oh jeez I got a blank. Uh against fair trade across state lines. You, you can't restrict it, and so but they do with wine. Which doesn't seem quite right to me, but I don't know. We need a need a winery that's got money and got the gumption to get out there and sue places for for that, and they might be able to do something about it. So uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on that because that is going to be something that could affect the whole country. You. Could hybrid grapes be the future of wine? Yes. Uh, I have no doubt about it. This is uh, from the press, Democrat, from where? I believe Sonoma. Uh, it just keeps saying the press, Democrat. It doesn't say where it is, (laughs) I think it's Sonoma, but they're talking about the hybrid grapes and how the hybrid grapes could help with all the drought and the climate change and all sorts of stuff uh European grape species cross with species native to North America, uh, the vinifera cross with North American grapes. Uh, they're strong, predisposed to withstand most of the pests and disease and drought. And uh, it, this uh, farmer, this uh, grape grower here, by the name of Matthew Nies, N-I-E-S-S, uh, has a bunch of them planted in Sonoma County. So uh, good for him. He's doing something that no one else has so far. He has had success with the Baco Boc- Noir. It's a hybrid of uh, Vitis and North American grape, the Vitis uh, riparia, and he says it's getting some good response on the wines that he's making. Uh, And uh, they're also looking at other grapes that are native to America that might be good to crossbreed with others. They're testing out 50 hybrids that could be part of the new growing across the country. And because they are so resistant to diseases and the weathers and particularly climate change, Hybrid grapes have been around for a long time, and people have talked about them. I still haven't heard. Speaking of hybrid grapes, I still haven't heard from the two guys I sent an email to after I listened to that program that talked about all American grapes and all the types of American grapes. Great program, great great program. Uh, I'll zip them out another email after the show tonight. Just. Just to be sure that, well, I had the correct email address and it didn't come back to me. Oh, I'll remind him. Maybe it got lost in a in the uh, spam file or something like that, which happens. I go and search mine every once in a while and I find some some spam in there that is not spam. Mm. Sorry, I have to get a drink drinking lemonade tonight. Um, so hybrids it's not a new thing it's been going on for a long time and I've been doing it for for a long long time uh, like this niece said uh, there's so much diversity on the grape spectrum to play with just because we can grow European grapes in California doesn't mean we have to grow grapes And I have talked to people, guests on the show, who have been strong, strong advocates of American grapes, not so much hybrids, but the American grapes themselves, and uh, how they are really a great alternative to the Vitis vinifera family of grapes. So. That's something that's coming up now, the new, they've been doing that for a while though, but they haven't done it, at Sonoma, that I know. Okay, and the next one here is alternative closure use in Washington surges. Washington State, in the last five years, use of alternative closures in uh, the Washington State wine industry has changed dramatically. In 2016, fewer than one quarter of the wines uh, that were tasted for review from Washington used alternative closures. In 2021, that number soared to 46%, almost half. Now, Almost all of the increase in alternative closures came from Diam, D-I-A-M, and similar TCA-free micro-amalgamated corks. These are closures made from ground-up natural cork held together by binder. Usage of other alternative closures, such as screw caps, Norma Corks, which is a synthetic closure, glass stoppers, and other alternatives has remained relatively consistent over the same time period. In 2016, diam and related closures made up a little under 6% of the wines from Worcester in 2021. They comprised almost 27%, a whopping 21% increase in one year. And this is why, the article here. Uh, They were introduced two decades ago, back in 2005, why all of a sudden people are finding them. And they're saying the first is growing number of winemakers comfortable with these closures and the technology around them. They have increased in quality and standards. And the track record over the years has shown that the wine age lengthens as, with these closures, so that's a good thing. You a wine that you can put away for five years can lengthen it, and you can might like, be able to get six, seven, maybe even eight years out of these closures, which you know sometimes that's, that could help the wine a lot. The second is the introduction of competitive closures to dam. For example, in 2017, Cork Supply introduced its VINC, V-I-N-C, VINC Closure, that is another TCA-free micro-amalgamated closure. Uh, And there are a number of other reasons, uh, competition in the market, making them more accessible and just the proof that they are good. Now, I mentioned TCA-free. I don't know if you are familiar with that. TCA are, uh, is a, uh, it's a tetra something. I, I can't remember. I really can't remember right now. But TCA is a chemical reaction from the cork into the wine which will give the wine a classic barnyard smell or uh, ashtray and not a new ashtray, used ashtray uh, smell, something like that. And it'll give it a little off taste, something that is hard to pinpoint and hard to say, oh, this is, this is what's wrong, but you know, there's something a little bit wrong. This is from TCA and it's the reaction of the wine to the cork. Uh, and little things can cause TCA to be passed on to it. I uh, I remember a story, and we've got the time to tell the story, obviously. Yeah. I remember a story uh, that I heard that was confirmed by people who are in the know by sources, if you will. There was a winery out in California, I believe, I want to say in Southern California, down around L.A., who had a warehouse stack full of boxes of wine, and they were having pest problems throughout the warehouse where they were storing these wines, and so they called a bug man in, one of the many that are available everywhere called the bug man in and he sprayed throughout the warehouse and he sprayed uh, all over the wine. And got rid of the pest, but the corks on quite a few of the cases that were on the lower shelves picked up this bug spray and put it in the wine. caused TCA in a lot of the wines. I don't know how it was Done, but you know it was detected, and they traced it back to the Bugman spraying in the warehouse. Uh, the cases were set on the floor; they weren't up on pallets like they do recommend. Um, so, oh, here it is: Uh I knew I couldn't think of the name of it. It's right here: trichloronasol. So, PCA uh, is. Uh, is something nasty. It says, uh, as many times here and elsewhere, cork taint is a contaminant in wine most frequently caused by uh, trachlorinazole. That mutes the aromas and flavors. Most instances of TCA taint come from the cork itself. So closures like the TCA-free micro-amalgamated corks eliminate cork taint completely. Yeah, we hope so. Uh, I've heard that it doesn't, but, yeah. Uh, So, uh, that's why you're finding the new amalgamated closures, the DIAM, D-I-A-M closures. That's what they're calling them, I guess, DIAM. Uh, They offer a greater consistency than closures that are fully made from natural cork. And this way they have many of the advantages of natural cork without the disadvantages. I have used amalgamated corks when I was, uh, when I had the winery. I did not like them at all. They did not go into the bottle the way they're supposed to. And, and I just, I had problems with them. I had some major, major problems with them. So, uh, here's uh A couple of uh, tables, couple of diagrams here. I'll I'll go through quickly with you before we close here. Um, In 2016, uh, natural cork was used 77% of the time. Alternatives 22 or 23%. Uh, Diam was used 5.69. Screw cap 14.3. Norma cork, which is Composite cork, 83%, uh, 0.83%, and other closures, 2%. Uh, by 2018, two years later, 74% was natural. 26% was alternative. 9% diom and other screw cap went up to 12.3%, gained a little bit. 2020... was natural, and up to 39% was alternatives. The diam and others was 21 screw cap, 13.41. Slowly climbing on that screw cap. And other closures, 1.33. 2021, last year that they have records, 53%. uh, is natural cork. Now, this is down from 16 to 21. Natural cork went from 77 down to 53%. Alternative closures is up to 47%. This is from 2016 at 23% to 47% in, uh, what, five years, six years? Dalyan um, and others, 26 or 27%. Now, this is amazing, too, because in 2016, that was only about 6%. Now, it's 27% of the bottles closed. Screw cap, and this is interesting. In 2016, 14.3% was screw caps. In 2021, 14.16% was screw caps. and That went down. That's interesting. Norma cork from 0.83% up to 2.69%, and then other closures from 2% up to 276 So the uh, technology is there, and the corks are changing. When you pull them out, you'll notice them if you get any from. Uh, look at your corks. I always love to look at the corks and see what they are. When you pull them out of the bottle, look and see if they're composite, there are some of them that have a regular cork on both ends and composite middle. Uh, some of them, are the uh, diam, 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 I'm going to say, the diam corks are pressed together and, and bonded together. And in natural corks, you know what those are. You can see those. And then screw cap and other closures. I've never seen a glass enclosure on a wine bottle yet. I I I think that's all I don't know I can't see that being practical. I I really can't. But if somebody wants to show off a nice wine, nice bottle, I guess a glass enclosure would a glass stopper or a glass cork type thing would be one way to do it. I just I don't know I can't see it myself. So So there you go. Some news tonight. <coughs> me some news tonight uh, for relief flight line radio calm Wow
2: thank it's you
1: 24 <laughs> hours a day and Mike is going to be on you you're still doing Friday nights. you're not changing yet are you
2: no I'm still uh, Friday from uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern time live okay um, yeah and, and uh, adding a Saturday I've been on editing a Saturday morning show like I okay. was before, but sometimes uh, the weekend comes and I'm like, no, nah, I'd rather sleep in until about noon. So There you go. <laughs> that yeah,
1: that yeah. seems like a, a good alternative. Yeah. So, But, yeah. but uh, <laughs> flightlineradio.org, it's uh, streaming 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and then Mike is on there live. And if you happen to have yourself a computer with a great library of music, and you like to become mm-hmm. famous and get on Mike's Flightline line radio, contact him, mm-hmm. he'll talk to you about it and all that and maybe you can become famous like Mike is. So uh, <laughs> keep keep that in mind. And and, and maybe yeah. if you do that we might let you use the all about wine jet, although
2: Boom. Now there's okay. an offer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so okay.
1: something to keep the <laughs> and something to keep in mind. So, um yeah. but flightlineradio uh dot com. It's <laughs> simple as that. Flightline radio dot com. And yeah. check it out.
2: There was uh, there was somebody um a couple of uh earlier this week that uh, emailed me uh from the website and said uh had a picture attached and it. It was this old uh, like a like a flat looking radio with a, a like headset um, some of the cheaper type of headsets attached to it and it said Flightline radio uh, we're on all the time or something like that and he says I got this like 10 15 years ago is this you I said, <laughs> no, no. I started. I, I, he's going to um, oh, what's it called in Oshkosh? It's uh, Air Venture, I think, is uh, coming up. But uh, said he was heading out and he was going to take the device with him, and he wanted to know if that was like my device. And I go, you know, it looks pretty cool, but no, it's uh, definitely somebody else. And um, I thought that was kind of funny because it had flight line radio on it, and I, wow. I was like, wow, yeah. that neat, you know? But uh, totally nice. different. Yeah. But uh, that was kind of that was kind of cool. Huh. You contacted me about. Is this you? No, not that yes. long ago. Hey. <laughs> I thought you started in February. And with not <clears throat> So, well. yeah, pretty good. Um, well, thank you for that. And uh, yeah. it is uh, eight, uh, 8.03, if I look at the right uh, monitor. That's the time it's given me. And uh, we will be back next week on July 27th, the last uh, show for July, before we oh, start wow. into August already. Yeah, and yeah, um, the, uh, what is today, tomorrow, 7 a.m.? I don't know. Um, I was just looking at London time. It's 1.03 a.m. Um, Friday already in London. But, wow, uh, already we'll Friday it in London. Yeah. O'clock. That? But um, thank you all for tuning in, and you all have a good evening, and uh, we'll catch you all next week, and uh, be safe. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in.
1: Thanks for listening. Uh,
2: thank you.
0: Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About about Wine.
2: And here we go. Close all these programs out and go to the green room. To the green room.